big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today we are talking all about lying and swearing. Very juicy topics for the day. Yes, yes. And I think we were both excited to talk about this topic because it's one that, um, well, we get asked about a lot, I think, from parents, but it's also one that I think for both of us in our parenting dynamic hasn't been one that's been super, super confronting. I think we've both, we've shared many stories about there's been a lot of humour for us around responding to our kids, you know, when there's these, when they might be lying or they're swearing lots. And, um, you know, what we really wanted to do, I guess, in our conversation today is give our lovely listeners some tools to work with if their kids are behaving in this way or even just some beautiful understanding around why they might be doing um, these certain things. And as we thought about it, we thought that actually bringing in the laughter might be helpful because as we're going to be talking about, and as if you're already familiar with Aware Parenting, you'll know that laughter can be a really helpful way to help release uncomfortable feelings, which can absolutely come up around lying and swearing. So if you do find yourself laughing or giggling around this topic, that might help to hold that in mind that your body's doing the amazing natural things that it does in order to to release feelings. Yes, so beautiful. So do you want to start, Marion, because we love starting like this, just around the old paradigms (laughs) around like lying and swearing and and, you know, I guess how that's been perceived in the past and how it still is perceived actually. Now, do you want to talk a little bit around that? Yes, we know we often talk about the the long-held paradigm of human beings, which has been around for a very, very, very long time and most recently in the form of behaviourism, which was really based on the belief that humans, including children, were, were in inverted commas bad and needed to be taught to be in inverted commas good. So from that paradigm, if a child or a teen or a young person is lying or swearing, that would be seen as a bad thing that we would try to get them to stop doing through probably some unenjoyable things, (laughs) through perhaps uh, rewards if they stop lying and if they did uh, do some lying and swearing. And... um, just you know, generally trying to uh, change their behaviour. Can I can I add something in there? When I was growing up, yes, one of the ways that um, was kind of a, a done thing in when I was young was that if you swore, you got your mouth washed out so far, oh. which was to stop you from swearing. And I never had it done, but I think maybe my brother did once or something and it was it was this standard kind of thing if you swear you'll get your mouth washed out with soap and water like I'm I'm curious as to any anybody listening you know what was their parents go to on some level if you did swear or if you were caught lying what you know what happened and this is quite painful really because actually although that may seem like kind of funny in some way when we talk about it now that but actually in working with adults, I have worked with quite a few people who did experience that as children and young people. And actually, it's it's often been really highly traumatic um, 
if you think about it and actually we put ourselves in that position just for a moment or, but don't do that if you did experience it personally but that just it's it's you know really scary horrible thing to happen so uh, I think we can we really get that these kinds of things may appear to work those old-fashioned things may appear to work because you had something like that happen once or twice you probably will stop swearing anywhere near your parents <laughs> but that doesn't actually address the reason why you're doing that in the first place and it doesn't actually help change the the behavior at the real um, original feeling cause which is what aware parenting is all about it's actually looking at why why people why children why teens actually behave in these ways so that we can support them in whatever that reason is so that they actually stop doing those things naturally of their own accord yeah, totally. So do you want to speak, Marion, a little bit to perhaps let's talk about little people for the moment, so maybe kids under five or six, um, particularly perhaps around lying, why they might lie or what might be going on for them if your children are lying to you about certain things? Well, again, I think it's really helpful to put ourselves in their shoes. And, you know, maybe even if you're not necessarily lying, but maybe just being a little bit um, light on the, the full truth with someone, why might it be? And if we think about it for ourselves, it's usually either because we are scared of what might happen to us if we did say that thing, or perhaps we're, we're concerned about how the other person might respond. So I think, you know, really thinking f for young children it's it is often because they're scared they feel scared that if they actually did tell the truth that something would happen that would be painful for them so they're trying to protect themselves from getting hurt mm -hmm. or it may be that an adult's had a really big response and you know they're also trying to to stop that big response from happening and that might even be trying to protect the parent from from their own feelings so it's usually a form of protection really isn't it mm -hmm. a form of safety a form of yeah preventing the unenjoyable things from happening yes absolutely i think there's also another thing around lying for little kids can sometimes be too which is more just around imagination so sometimes oh. when children can be in that beautiful imaginative state they can make up stories or stuff that can be perceived as lying but they're really in this spaciousness of wow this happened and that happened and all those kind of things as they're exploring a whole other realm you know of what might be going on in their world or how they're perceiving the world or even as you know if we come back to really that that beautiful core philosophy that children are always trying to heal and and they're always trying to come back into balance so sometimes their play involves a lot of imagination and can also involve you know elements of creating things or making things up that didn't happen or those kind of things as they're processing what might be going on Yes, I love that, Lyle. And another thing as well can be just um, to try and get other needs met. So, for example, if perhaps a child is is um, saying things that aren't true to other children, it may be that it's a way for them, they're trying to um, have more friends, they're trying to um, have more um, connection, to be seen more, to be valued more, to be heard more. So it can also be that they're just using that as a way and not even consciously necessarily to try and get some needs met that they aren't getting met in perhaps more um, direct ways. Mm, absolutely, which which also can be in the kind of coming into the tween and teen years as well, really similar. So I often see to 
um, with tweens and teens as they are, you know, doing that beautiful separation piece where they're trying to find more of who they are outside of that family unit, that sometimes lying pops up there. Like as we mentioned with the little people, um, it may be that they're lying because they're frightened of what happens if they do tell the truth or are they going to get in trouble but another element I have witnessed and watched um, with my own kids and with others I've worked with is that sometimes they will bend the truth a little bit or they won't be they won't fully disclose where they're going or those kind of things as a sense of just I have my own little bit of freedom right now or that you know this is what it feels like to be just me without anybody else knowing which is again really really important parts of um, the, the tween or the the teen discovering who they are and what it feels like to separate out of that little fold. So I found that to be quite for me too. It's not a huge lie they might tell, but there's little bits and pieces that sometimes they don't fully disclose, which I think I have found is their way of going, you know, this is just me trying to figure out what it's like if I don't tell you everything for the moment. And, and you know, that can be very tricky for parents to navigate for sure because, you know, I know for a lot of families, the value is truth and telling the truth and all those kind of things, which is a beautiful value to have. But I find as the kids get a little bit older, there is these little edges that they might come up against as they're, you know, they're separating and finding who they are and what that might be like. So I have, I've definitely experienced that with my own children around little things of saying, you know, we might be going to this place, but they're not telling me if somebody else is coming to that place or just tiny little things that don't really matter in the bigger picture. But afterwards, when I've said to my kids, so how come you didn't tell me that? They're kind of like, well, you don't need to know everything, mum. Or, you know, and I'd be like, okay, got it. You know, like, you know, and, and I would come back to just going, all right, I just want to check in the important parts for me are, you know, part of our values is I just want to know where you are. And, um, and, you know, if, if I'm cool with that, then I'm okay. You know, so I think it's always brought up beautiful conversations when there has been issues around perhaps lying. Um, you know, our response or my response to it has been, um, has been a beautiful opportunity for growth, for sure. Mm, I love that, Lau. And so as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, well, there are lots of different um, needs that lying can meet can't it can be mm. for safety for protection for attention for um, being seen and heard for uh, autonomy for um, individuation and of course we're not going to know what that is until we connect in more with our child and explore more with them about what's really going on absolutely and and I see this a lot with the teenagers I work with who um, you know when we talk about you know are you telling your parents these things? They're often like, no way. If I tell my parents this, I'll get grounded or I'm going to get in trouble. So I think when kids grow up in an environment where there is punishments and they learn really quickly to get very good at lying so that they don't get in trouble so they're not going to get punished and straight away we see a lot of disconnection happen in those dynamics there. And I, I've probably shared this story in, in one of the podcasts because I think all our stories are being shared now but. But, um, you know, one time my son did lie about where he's going and, um, you know, I had to work through, both my husband and I had to really work through our feelings first of, oh, well, what does that make us feel? And we thought we had this really transparent relationship and, you know, a lot of stuff both came up for us around he, he really had lied to us. And then when he came home, you know, we sat down together and I'd made sure that I was, we were both really calm. And the first thing I did say to him is, I feel like I've let you down somewhere that it hasn't been safe for you to tell me the truth of what you're doing. And 
straight away it just changed the whole dynamic between us because it, it not was it didn't come from a place that you've done something wrong you're going to get in trouble it was really like okay in our beautiful relationship we have here you know what we really value is connection and and communication and transparency if possible and somehow that's been broken so how can we fix that and he was so forthcoming he just went, well, mum, we went to a girl's house and, you know, you get really excited when I go to girls' houses and so it just does my head in when you get too excited about it. So I just didn't tell you. And it was in those spaces that I realised, oh, I really need to pull back a little bit on that so that it feels safe enough for him to be able to tell me, you know, what he needs to, to say. Mm, I love that so much, Lyle. It's really, it's so much, isn't it, about... Uh, if we can, and that's not always going to be the case, but what I loved about what you did there is that it's that taking the time, isn't it, to connect in with what shows up for us. Because it's very likely that we are going to have painful thoughts show up, painful feelings show up, uh, because, you know, we do live in a culture and we have grown up in a culture, most of us, where if we uh, lied, we probably would have had an unenjoyable response to that. So it's really normal and natural for us to have these kind of, you know, our own cultural conditioning showing up. And I think that's always why, if, whenever possible, if we're feeling really charged around something, to have some empathy time <laughs> to um, to really, you know, understand what it is and to have some compassion for ourselves and what may show up for us so that we're less likely to then go into you know, reacting in ways to them that is not going to be so helpful. Mm, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, look, I, I think too how we respond of where I often look at where teenagers are at and how we respond to them when they're younger, you know, does hold a lot for those teenage years where they are out in the world exploring a lot more. And when we have had, you know, responses to our kids when they have lied or they've done something wrong and we don't move into punishments but we move into yep, let's all talk about it. How can we grow from this? What do you need? What do I need? Where there is just this beautiful democratic way of, of navigating whatever's happened, it does create that incredible foundation in those teenage years where they are less likely to lie and they're far more open around what's going on because they know that, you know, that that connection is strong and it is there. And I guess I see it, I see a massive contrast in it in the work I do with teenagers who just blatantly say, I just lie to my parents all the time I tell exactly what they want to hear I know how to work it you know because it's just easier that way so I think that you know there is that possibility to have that beautiful deep relationship with teens and I think how we respond to them particularly when they're young and also even well, whatever age it's never too late can often bring about you know the deep beautiful relationships that we're craving mm, yes and if you think about it I often like to come back to aware parenting being uh, we're always looking for ways to meet both the parents' needs and the child or young person's needs. And if we're wanting, if we really value honesty, how are we going to support our children so they get all those other needs met that we were talking about, the protection and the safety and the being heard and the being understood and all of those things. So we're looking at Know, really responding to them in ways that mean that we're going to get that need for honesty met because they're getting those other needs met by the ways we're responding to them. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, I guess a way that we could respond to our little ones, you know, or any age child, if they are lying, you know, firstly, as we mentioned before, is to just really, I guess, check ourselves, you know, what does that feel like for us if our child is lying and really move through whatever we need to move through around our own reactions first to then be able to come to the child, you know, with an openness for connection to perhaps see exactly all those reasons you said before why the child might be lying and how we can support them in whatever it is or why the reason is that they're doing it. Yes, exactly. So it's like how can, and often it's a conversation, isn't it? I mean, with younger children, it's going to be, there's probably going to be other things as well in their play and perhaps listening to feelings, but having the conversation so we can really understand why they did what they did and what needs they were trying to meet and how we can support them in in meeting those needs without needing to lie in the future which may be you know part of it may be that if they um you know if they are scared of our reactions it might be us needing to do some some work and to actually really reassure them that we're not going to um you know get angry or um be harsh with them if they if that happens again if they lie again that we're actually going to be there to listen so um it's so much about the conversation isn't it and us being part of the conversation rather than us kind of doing this thing to them is like well what's just as you said with um with Kai it's like well you know what's happening in the relationship between the two of us that that needs navigating here mm. and I, I love this as a term I say to my kids how can we do this better but how can we do this in a way that's, that means that we, we can all get our needs met or what have we learned from this in the sense of, I mean, once we've cleared all that stuff, just go, if, what, how could this look moving forward in a different way? And so sometimes that's conversations around, all right, well, you know, if, if I'm starting to see that you're getting angry, mum, then I'll, you know, I'm going to say to you, mum, you're getting angry, you know, as a reminder. Or if, whether I'm seeing my kids starting to get, you know, out of balance, I'll just say, this is what I'm witnessing. Or we've just always had these beautiful uh, conversations to really open up around how could we do this so that um, we've learned from this so that we don't necessarily have to you know keep repeating that story if it doesn't feel good for us and that's always been a wonderful thing I've found is that it's part of I don't know we're a team we want to grow and work together we want this to feel really good in our dynamic and instead of just a parent I think saying this is how I think it should be it's about working together as a team to go how can we work together so that we have harmony in our relationship Mm, I love that and I'm thinking on the way to to how can we do this differently like if we are asking our child you know why did you do that they may say something like well you know um last time when x y and z happened you (coughs) oh (laughs) your dog bark so we had a little pause just then because um Lau's was lovely little dog Obi started barking but I thought it was such a perfect time because I was just talking about um, if we're if we're wanting our child to really tell us why they they lied or why they didn't tell the truth or why didn't they why they didn't meet our need for honesty is when we're listening uh, to what they share and and that when I was saying that that's when your dog started barking and I noticed myself just that sudden jump it's like it's really normal and natural for children if we respond with uh getting kind of louder or shouty or or um, coercive or any of those harsh things for their whole nervous system to go into that kind of contract and to want to do whatever they can to to not feel scared or powerless, all of those things. So it may be that they start to tell us, well, you know, when I did 
when I did tell you last time, you, you know, you shouted or you, you know, did whatever it was that wasn't enjoyable for them. So I think that's when we really need our um, empathic um, listening place to be able to, to say, rather than to go into reactive mode, but to actually say, I really hear you, sweetheart. I, I really hear that you felt scared when I did that. So mm-hmm. I think part of it is so much about giving them empathy and compassion uh, and that might require quite a lot for us because we might want to defend ourselves. We might want to give our own perspective. But really, if we're wanting to develop this kind of connection where they can talk about these things and feel safe and to, to this relationship be so central, it means being able to hear those things and being able to hear them with compassion um, for their experience. Mm, and that, And that's... That's so beautiful, that insight, because that really is the next piece, isn't it, of how we may have been responded to when we were younger. If we, we did lie or we got caught lying, you know, we'll often be surfacing if, if that's not a story that we've worked through when our child does it. So if we were punished for lying, if, you know, you had to lie to keep yourself safe or whatever, whatever our stories are around that, when our child does it, again, it can be one of those beautiful little sweet spots that pops up for us where we've got our own feelings sitting there that can feel big. I know that lying for a lot of parents is a really big thing. You know, it feels really um, disrespectful. Same as swearing as well, really, which is probably why we've put these two together. Um, it, it can feel really, yeah, it, 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 it hurts. It really hurts when we feel like our child's lying to us and it can bring up a lot of feelings. So as always, we say, you know, my go-to is always, okay, before we even interact with our child or talk to them about it, try and work through what's happening for you and where that comes from and what's and what your reactions are around it so that you can meet your child with as much calmness and exactly as you said, Marion, with as much empathy as possible. Yeah. Shall we move into swearing then as well? Because I think there's going to be some overlap as we as we mm. came to. And interesting, use that that word disrespect. It can be such um, hello, Obi. Can be such a powerful thing, can't it, for parents when children are are behaving in ways that that we might find find painful. Mm. And it can be something to really important to explore. What do we mean by that? What do we, when we tell ourselves that, how do we feel? Where does it actually come from that, even that phrase? And, and, you know, if we're wanting respect, I often think the, the way that we can get true respect or our needs for respect met is also to treat our children in ways that meet their need for respect and consideration as well. Mm. I, I think the swearing thing is, you know, that as you're saying, that disrespect word, uh, because, again, I think in generations that have gone by, that was seen as a sign of big disrespect to swear at an adult or to even swear at all. And everybody has a different relationship with language, don't they? For some people, you know, they find swearing incredibly offensive, others doesn't matter. So I think it is, again, we are, as you've mentioned, really a lot of our relationship towards it is steeped in, I guess, how we were brought up and also just the the times that we've lived in in regards to what swearing means and how that feels. And I wonder even just as we're talking about this now, as you're listening, you know, how do you feel about swearing? Is swearing appropriate as an adult? Do you find it really offensive if children swear? Is some swearing okay? You know, does it 
Do you feel, you know, does it make you really upset? What is it that goes on for you when um, you hear swearing or when, you know, someone swears or when you swear? What, you know, what happens? I know for me, there are times where I find swearing incredibly freeing and satisfying. <laughs> I know <laughs> sometimes Marion, when we work through things and stuff, stuff stuck and we both just swear a lot and then we feel better. I think swearing can be a fantastic way to help laughter come forward, you know, especially when you're frustrated. I mean, I even sometimes when I've felt really challenged with my kids, I've rung my listening partner and I've just like, like swore, I'm not going to do it now, but just swore <laughs> so much down the phone so that I end up laughing a lot and she ends up laughing a lot and there is like this release that happens. So, you know, sometimes I find it to be amazing for myself. Um, sometimes I, I, whenever I get very tired, I find that I swear a lot more. It's like my filter comes off. <laughs> and I always find it fascinating too when you know you're not meant to swear places you know sometimes it slips out and I always find that fascinating to see people's reactions to that so I think you know swearing is is a fascinating thing language is a fascinating thing what about where does it sit for you Marion yeah I have a really similar response it's like I I I really enjoy a bit swearing here and there if I'm really frustrated I find it also um freeing I don't have much charge around swearing at all and um yeah, I, I really have enjoyed it. So, for example, Sonny went through a period of swearing when he was quite a lot littler, maybe five or six, and um, I actually found it really easy to work with and, and to respond. So, you know, from a aware parenting perspective, we're often seeing all that swearing is also these kinds of things exactly that, that we're talking about to to understand culture, to understand um you know what words we say have what power with what people you know and, and different people having different responses to the same words and what do they mean and how do people feel when we say them and you know often for children I tend to think of words often being a little bit like a virus that things will often get passed from one child to the next so if they've been hanging out with a child who's saying a particular word they will often come home and start using that word and I find it really helpful to remember that they're doing that because they're trying to understand, they're trying to process, they're sometimes trying to release their own feelings of hearing that, that, those words. Yes. So again, if we can hold that with, you know, what, looking at the needs piece, what needs are they trying to get met here? And if we come in with that old paradigm perspective, which again is really normal given we grew up in that, but if we come in with the judgment or the shame or the, the judgment thoughts around disrespect is then when we're less likely to be able to actually meet them in a place where we can support them in meeting those needs, which might be support them in playing so that they can laugh and release the feelings around the words or they can, um, you know, they can understand and we may give them some information might be really clear. Like, you know, I'm really happy for you to come and play this game. We can share some attachment play games around swearing and, you know, whenever you want to come and play them with me. Um, but if we go to, you know, auntie so-and-so's house, you know, I, I would really prefer that you don't swear. And if you really feel the call to, you know, let me know. We'll do a little secret code. We'll go <laughs> into the bathroom and, and do, do a little bit together. But you know, it's just such a wonderful thing to have that, to not be afraid of it really as a yeah. parent and to be able to see it just as another flag for feelings and need mm. and to be able to respond to what's really going on without going into our own cultural conditioning around it and our own childhood hurts in ways that just lead to more disconnection 
Um, so it's such a lovely thing, isn't it, to be able to stay warmly connected in those places where they're just trying to work something out, basically. Yes, I, it's so true, isn't it? I mean, many parents often talk about their kids might have had a play date with someone or they've gone to childcare or they've gone to kinder and then they come home and say, I'm going to kill you or, you know, I'm your dead or they say lots of maybe violent or aggressive words or swear words and often it is they're processing the play that they might have been part of, they're hearing other kids, exactly as you said, they, they're really trying to make sense of what that's like and I think also too for children if they swear and they have a huge reaction from us as a parent you know then they're sometimes like oh there's power in this and what does that mean Mm. Um, but I always loved to that I I always looked at it as sometimes it was just a random swear word which was usually said really appropriately at the right (laughs) time and you'd go oh they've probably just been listening to me Um, but other times um, I used to sit, particularly with my youngest, it was like a sign that she had feelings brewing. And I, I may have said she had this story as well, but my youngest daughter, for a while there, she thought Google was a swear word, which just used to make me laugh so much because she would say, I'm not going to say the exact word, but I'll, I'll say she used to say F-bomb, 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 Google, right? So her whole like swearing sentence was like five F-words and then Google at the end of it. And my God, it took so much strength for me not to just burst out laughing because it sounded so funny but whenever she came into the room and she did that for me it was like oh she's got some feelings going on you know she needs something so it was kind of like instead of her coming in going mummy can you please help me I'm feeling really angry she'd just come in with these swear words and google and then um, she would just I'd go okay she's got feelings let's go and let's go and sort those out you know she needs some connection here so I think again as you're saying Marion we can look at it with many different ways and um, it, sometimes it is just absolute exploration for younger kids. You know, sometimes it is, is done, it's their words that they've just listened to and heard and they are said really at the appropriate times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, just, you know, again, how we respond to them can make a difference. So sometimes it just might be not even saying anything to it and just checking in with them and not even mentioning the word. And other times it could be using some beautiful attachment play by saying, oh, my goodness, did you just call me a fuzzle bum? Don't call me a fuzzle bum. You know, we use a different word instead of that swear word and then all of a sudden they think that's a bit of a game and there's some fun charge in that that they actually then keep saying that word instead of the word that you're saying but I know we're trying to keep this um podcast like pg in case anyone's listening to it so we're not actually saying the swear words which I'm finding challenging (laughs) me too (laughs) (laughs) part of me would love to just say these swear words but but if we you know again that's a great game you can play if your child is swearing at you or saying something you know give another word that doesn't have a charge around it and and make it a game of saying no don't say that word or don't call me that and they will often love that as a game and something that's really fun that they'll then start you know saying that word to you and it can actually you know just just it can dissolve the tension around the other word and also give them another beautiful game of connection to play Mm, so I, I really love that too. That's um, from Lawrence Cohen's Playful Parenting, which will be one of our um, books that we recommend. Uh, I remember once I was working with a mama who was using particular swear words that she was finding quite challenging. And I must say, I wasn't, I was finding a little bit of charge for me around them as well. Mm. So the beautiful thing around the, um, that game, which I call the flowerpot head game, is it can also support us in helping them in ways that are easier for us too. So 
he was using a particular word and I and you know with the flower pot head game we can say you know yes feel free to call me whatever the x y and z word is but whatever you do you're not going to call me flower pot head are you you don't you're not going to call me flower pot head are you and you kind of give them that clue like really and you're kind of nodding and then they say you're a flower pot head and, and then we go no you said you were gonna call me flower pot head and they might use the old word a little bit again and you're like yeah you know that's fine but whatever you do do not call me flower pot head and they use it again and we're like no and so the wonderful thing is that also supports us in feeling more relaxed because we're not having that charged word <laughs> repeatedly mm-hmm. it can help us you know if, if we're out in public that they're not going to use perhaps the f word they're going to use flower pot head or something that that's um it's still supporting them in meeting those needs but it's also going to help us feel more comfortable and it and it does the trick because they're really getting that that opportunity to have the a power reversal game in in attachment play terms they're getting to say the apparently forbidden word and lots of times and there's usually going to be lots and lots of laughter so i remember with that with that mama and child we played that over and over again and at any time he'd, he'd come back over and he would like he'd say the original word and then I just wouldn't respond and he'd say flower pot head and I no and there's just so much laughter and so much connection and and really holding in mind from the way parenting perspective when when our child is doing something like that and we go in with that big uh, warmth which we need you know if we're having charged responses it's hard to be warm but if we're moving in with that un unrestricted warmth and the laughter then often that can also lead to as we know to tears showing up later on so we might have laughter and laughter and laughter and we can understand that that's part of whatever they're processing so if it has been other children at school or kinder or wherever it is play group whatever country you live in uh, saying those words to them or maybe they're feeling confused or they're feeling hurt is they're getting to offload all of those feelings first of all through laughter and if there are bigger feelings that might then turn into to crying or tantrums or raging too but we what we're understanding and this is how different it is from what we were talking about at the beginning with the you know the punishments or the rewards is we are really supporting them to release the underlying causes of those feelings and that's the beautiful thing then they'll just naturally stop as you were saying you know I found that with with my son when he went through that patch he just stopped because we'd go we'd play these kinds of games we'd get on the trampoline and say the word over and over again Mm. and then he stopped and then if he started to say the word again I knew that that there were some more feelings bubbling up so it's really just Mm. a way of seeing an opportunity for connection and play and, Mm. and listening to feelings Yes, that reminds me of um, one time, I think, oh, maybe around six or seven, one of my kids was wanting to use the F-bomb a lot and um, and we were having dinner one night, all of us, and I was like, all right, we need to get this out of our systems. Let's let's yell it as loud as we can. Yes. <laughs> and all of us around the table are right, like, ah, like just, and laughing and laughing and yelling louder and louder and louder it was really great game actually about kind of finding some power in charge of words and all those kind of things yeah it was it was fun and you know i'm sure anybody walking past would have been like oh what is happening in there but it was great it also things i find too particularly moving into the kind of tween teen years that kids you know because i think once they hit about five or six they know that swearing is not necessarily an appropriate thing 
to do, whether it's at school or, you know, it's it, it's different from when kids are little and they're just trying it out, I think. So I find then when they become into those tween and teen years, then swearing, like, features a lot, again, with their friendship group. So they may not be saying it to their parents or around adults, but, you know, you might see or listen, you can hear swearing becomes something that they try on again as they're kind of getting older and you know that was I found a time where I had conversations with all my kids going look you know you you are you're free to use whatever language you want with your friends or how that feels you know sometimes you might want to be mindful of the power of words and what does it feel like when you say it or you're you're saying it to someone and then I guess my um my values was always around my kids being online just saying you know if you can try not to swear online because whatever's online stays online and sometimes that can really be you know taken in different ways and and because they were you know they they were teenagers and they understood it we just had some great conversations around what felt okay and acceptable and also what was um allowing them to be in integrity um and that they were great conversations to have you know and i i really encourage them to just tune into themselves a little bit you know around using words like that online or how they felt about the power of the words when talking to people so it became just again another beautiful open conversation around giving them the freedom to see how that feels but hoping hopefully opening up within them just some discernment and some you know being conscious around the power of what that can be sometimes Mm, and if you think about it in terms of like the like the whole thing in terms of aware parenting that you were saying with the teenagers that you know of who who do lie if we come back to the lying and that that the whole point of parenting i would say from an aware parenting perspective or one of them from an aware parenting perspective is we're wanting to help our children to to naturally come into these places of consideration for others and um authentic relationship and exactly as you're talking about this is support some in that doesn't it rather than having this kind of um uh, like the icing on the top where they where they've taught been taught to be nice in inverted commas it's really about developing them and supporting the development of their personality so they that they go out into the world being uh, a considerate compassionate person who is um, you know aware of the the power of what they say and what they don't say in terms of lying and swearing and uh, you know naturally connected to that that loving aware presence that they are Mm. And, the, and the contrast to that just made me think about it. You say that, Marion, is when I um, did a self-defence class with my daughters uh, last year and we had this guy come to our house and we um, did a self-defence class. He teaches it especially for women. My daughter had been in, in a situation earlier in the year where she was threatened at a train station and, you know, she just didn't feel like she could defend herself and she, you know, she felt really powerless and so we looked at how we could actually help her feel more powerful and we did lots of things on lots of different levels but doing the self-defence class was one of the things and his suggestion, which was fascinating, he said, you know, if ever you're feeling threatened or you're in a situation where someone's trying to grab you or something like that, he said really loudly yell the word and I can't say it but MF is if mother and then F, (laughs) is that right? (laughs) But yell it and he said because that word has a charge and an energy to it which instantly fires adrenaline in your system which will fire within you a sense of okay do I need to run or do I need to get away and he said it also draws attention to um to you as a young female or as a female yelling that word usually people will look 
And um, I found that really fascinating. You know, he said, don't yell, stop or go away. He said, yell that word because it, we have a physical reaction in our body and it also um, will, will bring attention. And I, it just really resonated with me in the sense of, wow, the power of words. I know this is completely not related to our podcast on, on parenting and, and, and swearing, but I found that a really interesting thing. And, and then he got us to try it out, right? So in the self defense class and so my daughters and I are yelling at each other while we're doing it and it was pretty powerful actually I really got the physical sensation of what it felt like when we did it so there you go there's a handy tip for anybody if you're ever in that unfortunate situation um I, I actually really do uh, yeah I actually do think it is really relevant because I mean that is what we're they're playing with isn't it and I, mm-hmm. I literally when you're telling story I could feel the whole adrenaline rush and, mm-hmm. and the tingles throughout my body because they are learning about words, aren't they? And mm. words and relationship and, uh, you know, what feels enjoyable and what doesn't and what, what impact it has. So it really is, isn't it? And that words mm. can be incredibly powerful. And we're really wanting to support them in understand that, understanding that from a, from a relational perspective, isn't it? Rather than, isn't it? <laughs> I love mm-hmm. the grammar there. Rather than just, you know, them being kind of shamed or afraid of using particular words. It's like that they understand. Because yeah. sometimes it's really helpful. I remember those times on the similar to you around the table on the trampoline where we would just jump up and down and say these big words and actually feel how we felt. You know, I find it really helpful too to to mm-hmm. be shouting aloud, feel how we feel in our bodies because mm-hmm. you know, so much around childhood is around uh, and adolescence around power and powerlessness and choice and autonomy which are core elements of aware parenting so I think it's really vital Mm, yep yes so may you all be swearing in your car as you're driving along (laughs) if that's going to help you feel better full permission (laughs) oh you reminded me actually can I share one little story as I had an ongoing um, mother's group for some years and um Sometimes we would start the group when well, I checked out beforehand, we would start the group with a, with a bit of swearing and a bit of like, because I think so often in this paradigm, especially when we're aiming to be conscious and compassionate with our children, with ourselves and with our friends and all the, all the things, there's often not so much a place for that other kind of energy. So we would start off doing some kind of swearing and some like, you know, just laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing and actually what would often happen is then after that someone would often move into tears because then that laughter helps release the big feelings which then allows the the underlying feelings to show up so it's powerful isn't it it's all about energy and feelings and power and our bodies and all that stuff I absolutely agree. Uh, that, that reminds me too, when I used to teach a lot of birth workshops and all the couples would come and everyone's really nervous, I found that if I swore in the first five minutes, everybody would relax <laughs> because it was like, oh, she's human and, you know, it doesn't have to be a certain way. And I, I found that that was, um, that was pretty amazing actually that, I mean, you know, I just used to, used to gauge whether it was going to be appropriate or not. But I found that the times I did just swear, just briefly, everyone kind of went, oh, okay. Uh, and then there were some people that had reactions if they had, you know, something around swearing. But I found as a human, it, yes, exactly what you're saying. And sometimes it just is the key to helping helping ourselves relax, let go of the tension, needing to get it right, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, such power in words, isn't there? Maybe by the end of this podcast, you're like, yeah, my four-year-old can swear. This is brilliant. 
<laughs> Yay. I'm aware of the time. Should we, do, is there anything else you want to say? Or should we move to uh, resources? And yeah, I think some resources are a good idea. Uh, yeah, so as I mentioned before, I really recommend um, Lawrence Cohen's Playful Parenting and Aletha Salter's Attachment Play, both really great ways of using play to help um, release tensions around these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah, absolutely around the swearing and also the lying as well. There's some great, you know, even games that you can play where you make up ridiculous things, particularly with younger kids, like, you know, right over the top, you know, um, stories and, and then we flew to the moon and then we did this and then we did that, you know, can be wonderful ways to just, you know, create more laughter and you know take the charge off if there is any line or anything like that going on i remember doing that a lot too with my kids when they're younger so yeah there's lots of beautiful recommendations in those resources there for sure around these two things um invitations mm. what's your invitation marion i think i would suggest seeing if you'd like to have some your own play around some swearing yes. like just have a little play maybe no one's around or if you have a partner and you want to just play a little game and just play with some words and whether there are any that particularly um bring some laughter and that are actually really fun to just play with i think it's really helpful for us to know where our edges are and what words have have charge for us and, and laugh <laughs> yes yes and do you know what though actually that's reminding me too there's times where I've done talks where it hasn't been appropriate for me to swear and sometimes I get worried when I get passionate that I will. So I remember going to the bathroom sometimes and just like, you know, <laughs> for like 30 seconds saying all the swear words I can really, really quickly to get them out of my system <laughs> so that I go, okay, that's done. No, I don't have to do that now. I mean, you know, that, that, I, that's, and that's also been a bit of a like try and move some of my nervous, you know, energy before I'm going to do a talk. But, um, yeah, I found that to be <laughs> fun as well. So, yes, I love that. I hope everybody's finishing this podcast and then swearing a bit and letting some <laughs> laughing and letting some feelings out. Um, my invitation, I guess, would be around the line is just to tune in to how it feels for you, you know, what comes up for you if your child does lie, you know, what was your relationship like if you lied when you were younger? Did you get punished or did you get in trouble or what does that feel like for you? And some, I guess some deeper exploration into you know, what, what lying brings up for you and I guess some other ways of how you could meet that within your child if, if that's happening. Hmm. Lovely. Here we go. Well, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yeah. hope you found it fun too. Yeah, I hope you've got some, some insights or something you can work with around these topics. They're all beautiful, normal parts of raising children, aren't they? They're all, you know, and it's not not a sign that there's something wrong with your child or just a part of that beautiful development and kids are always working to get their needs met in whatever way they can so it's always good to have that beautiful curiosity yay mm. hmm. well thank you so much for listening oh yes. you're gonna you usually say all the things about all the oh, things yes all the things <laughs> you can go and follow us um you can subscribe to any of our podcast channels and you can rate us and leave us a review we love getting reviews and if you would love for us to talk about a certain topic then you can message us through instagram or facebook and and send us a a message around what you would like us to talk about we've got a beautiful long list of topics that we're exploring at the moment but um, we always love to hear from everybody what it is that they would love to know more about 
Hmm. Yes, thank so you thanks. so much. Yeah, thanks for being here, everybody. And, you know, hope you have <laughs> to say, hope you have an effing great day. <laughs> <laughs> so much love. Oh, Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.